0: As Ryan said, very, very good to have you here. We consider it an honor to have guests that come with friends, and uh, I know some of you are sitting about a football field's uh, distance away from me. How's everybody doing out there in the lounge, and are you with me? Yeah, there are some in the nosebleeds, and I hope you don't lose the meaning of of what's taking place, but uh, man, I love that God just, gave us snowfall at 11 a.m. this morning, and it's going to carry on, and it's not debilitating snowfall so that nobody could come tonight, but it just sort of is gently coming down. Um, I love snow, and one of the reasons why I love snow, I'm a Four Seasons guy. I grew up in the snow belt uh, of New York, right on Lake Ontario, about probably a thousand feet from Lake Ontario um, for the first half of my life, and... um, In Oswego, we got an average, I looked it up, of 137 inches of snow a year where I grew up. Which is compared to Lowell, I looked this up. We get 63 inches of snow a year. So a little over double is what I was used to. So I I just love the snowfall. We were down, Ryan and I, uh, in Florida a couple weeks ago. And they got Christmas trees and they're selling things and there's lights. And you go to Applebee's and you're hearing some of the songs that we're singing. And one came on the radio. We were at Applebee's eating. Um, Or no, it wasn't Applebee's. It was just another one of those knockoff restaurants. They have great, great baby back ribs. Who am I talking about? Huh? No. Outback. We're out at Outback. And all of a sudden, Bing Crosby comes on. And it was like uh, something about, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. We're in Sarasota. And I'm like, well, you can keep dreaming because it ain't happening down here. But you can come back on Delta and I'll show you a white Christmas up in Michigan. So all they're doing is dreaming. We're living. Am I right? Am I right? So we got the snow falling outside. It's perfect. It reminds me of growing up in the nostalgia of that. Like I said, I grew up in New York. I actually got some pictures of Oswego, New York to show you a little bit about my background. And we got a lot of kids in here because we don't have kids on going for all the kids, and I want to make sure I engage the kids here tonight with some pictures and some illustrations and adults like that too. This is where I grew up. This is what the snow looked like. It did things that defied gravity and reality, like tuck under things and uh, physics. I don't know where that comes into play, but it would just go underneath your roof and start like snowing from the ground up where I grew up. This, I remember... This particular picture, and I don't know if snow hit here around 77, 78, does anybody remember that? Well, I was about five years old. We literally could swim off of, our swim, we could, we could sled off of our roofs that year. We also, the, the banks were so high, you could climb up the telephone poles and touch the electrical lines. I know because I did it, and I lived to tell about it, but... Um, this, this was the kind of snow we would get in New York. And I remember there was this one hill. The next slide shows you the hill. It was called Perry Hill. And in order for us to get to my house, to where we go to church, we would have to go up this hill They had a bank. And the lake effect would blow across this field. And this drift would be like 30 feet high. And they'd bring out this mega, uber snowblower that would blow the snow. And you would kind of go through this ford. On the way to church It was amazing And I love the snow plows Coming down the road This next one is one of the snow plows In Oswego They were orange there And they would just like Come down at about 45 miles an hour And take 10 inches of snow And throw it And there would be this sort of Big huge rooster tail Of snow that would be flying over I remember one Christmas I was 14 And I'm just going to give a disclaimer Do not do this Half of what I do Don't do it Um, I'm the example for you of what not to do. But I remember this one Christmas, I woke up and there was like 10 inches of snow, 10, 12 inches of snow, depending on where you were at in Oswego. And it was fresh And nobody had touched it. And I like to be the first one out. I'd get on my snowsuit, be the first one out to put my footprints in it. And out in the middle of the road, the plows hadn't even come yet. So it was like literally this much snow in the middle of the road. And I knew the plows were going to be coming in about the next hour. And I had this idea. My neighbor called me Dennis the Menace. And there was a reason for that. I was thinking, man, what an adventure it would be if... When that plow came by, I got about 10 feet away from where it was, and that sprayed over on top of me like a wave and piled on top of me. And I thought, I'm going to let it go by to the end of the road, which is about a quarter mile up to 104, and then when it comes back down, I'm going to go, I'm going to lay down like this, and I'm just going to let like all that snow pile on top of me. So I get up, I get about 10 feet away and I can hear it rumbling. It's about all I could do is just hear it. And it came and it piled on top of me. And I thought at first like, this is awesome. The second thought was, where I don't have any oxygen. (laughs) And the third one is, why didn't I put my arms out like this? Because I'm like this and I cannot move. And all of a sudden, I'm serious, panic set in. And I thought, I didn't even tell my parents what I was doing. I'm going to die out here. It's only December. They won't find me until thaw. I could not move. I had no leverage. And what I did, I'll never forget it. I got my, my mind and my deep survival skills. And I started scooping with, with my mittens. Out like this and scooped away and breathed so that I could get my hands down. And I pressed as one resurrecting from the grave out from underneath this heavy snow and lived to tell about it. Never do that, but just remember that I did. That's all I'm <laughs> wanting to remember. I remember that same Christmas I remember having dinner with my mom and dad, and I grew up in a very, very poor family. Very poor family. And um I didn't know that until I left and came home, um, how small our house was, just a little tiny house and uh, not a lot of money. I made my first year as a youth pastor more than my dad made after 30 years of ministry. And I was making 28000 my first year of youth ministry. And uh, I remember my mom and dad sat us around the table at dinner and we either had rice, spaghetti... this chicken you could buy in bulk and government cheese in those brown boxes Um, and I thought that was awesome that was my favorite cheese ever and my mom said this year we're not going to be able to get you guys any gifts I remember I was 14 and she says but that's okay we're gonna have stockings for you guys Um, And we're going to celebrate Christmas because it's not about giving and receiving gifts. It's about Jesus and his birthday. But this year, we're just not able to do that. In other years, we never had a lot of gifts. Typically, we'd have three gifts. We'd have two that we needed and one that we wanted. Two that we needed, one that we wanted. And so the needs were more like, you know, uh, you need blue pants or you need a shirt for school or something like that. Um, I had to wear blue pants every day to the Christian school I went to. And blue socks and brown or black shoes. So that would be what we would get as a necessity. This year we were only getting one of these bad boys. And I will never forget what was in that particular stocking that year. Because it's all I got. And I went out and purchased the things that were in that stocking. I actually called my mom two weeks ago. And I said this is what I remember being in that stocking. She, She said you forgot one thing that I bought. And so I was like, that's right. And so I included it in the stocking that we got. And I was looking at stocking stuffers, which is all this candy and all these wonderful things. We got necessities. The first thing I got in my stocking were socks for school. And those are great stocking stuffers because they take up a lot of room. (laughs) And that's why kids hate them so badly. I remember another thing that I got was Barbasol shaving cream. And uh, my dad used to wear this. This is my smell of my dad right here. And this is really cheap. You can still, they will actually pay for you to take this out of Meijer. This is how cheap this is at the store. I remember along with that, we got shavers. Now, this was literally $1.79 for 10 of them. If you use these, you'll shave off the first layer of epidermis on your face. <laughs> they are dangerous, um, but they are cheap. And I remember my mom would get us those. The next thing I remember her getting us, and some of you won't appreciate this, was Old Spice. Anybody ever, anybody wear Old Spice to this day and are willing to admit it? One person back here in the lobby. Now I know why you sat back there. Old Spice. And uh, it's, it's good stuff. It's really, really cheap. Um, and my mom, the complimentary to that was Old Spice Underarm Deodorant, um, which was really, really awesome. Thanks, Mom. And kept digging for something that I actually wanted. And uh, next thing was a toothbrush. And a toothbrush was, I remember we would use one each year, And by the end of the year, it was so flat, I'm not sure how efficacious it was by the end of the year, but um, that's what we got. Then I remember we got underwear, and not just any underwear. Back in the day, I got Fruit of the Loom underwear. Anybody still wear Fruit of the Loom? And I noticed when I bought Fruit of the Loom over at Meijer, I was there with another guy buying underwear, and he's like, man, there's so many options, and I'm like, I know, I just want the breathable kind. And uh, so these are breathable. And they weren't back when I was a kid. Uh, They didn't breathe at all. But we got some underwear, the unbreathable kind. And then this is what my mom told me about that I forgot, was a Slim Jim. How many of you love Slim Jims to this day? Um, In the same way that um, Old Spice is a repellent for women, Slim Jim is also a repellent for women. But I remember we got the large, large version, and then all the way at the end, this is going to bring back memories for some people here. All the way at the end, at the bottom, was something I really wanted. It was the Lifesavers, which was a book. Do you remember the Lifesavers book? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't find the book, but we used to have books where on both sides it was big and thick. And you had like four on this side and four on this side. And this, that was our Christmas that year. And I remember my dad afterwards said, it's really not about that. It's about Christ. And we would read Luke 2 every year. How many of you read Luke 2 every year as a family, as a tradition? If not, I'd encourage you to do that. I want to read that just... Tonight it seems appropriate. Luke 2 verse 1. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. I want you to know that Rome was taking over the world at that time. They were the superpower. And they had gone all the way through Asia Minor, set up all of their beachheads, and had made their way all the way down to Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And they were underneath the of. Tyr- tyrannical rule of Caesar Augustus it would be like Jesus I was thinking about this uh, yesterday Jesus being born in Poland while Hitler was taking over various places around Germany and he was born right in that time this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in line of David. that's prophecy. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there... The time came for a baby to be born. Women know what I'm talking about when it's like time, it's time. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid or terrified. And the reason they were terrified is because angels weren't like just neat little men that were white with lipstick and, you know, blush on their cheeks. These were the warring angel army angels of heaven. It says, The angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings that will cause great joy for all the people, not just the Jews, the Hebrews, but the Gentiles, the Greeks as well. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the coming one, the anointed one, the savior, he's the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in cloth, swaddled in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host or the angel armies of God appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest or in heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them, the shepherds, and gone into heaven, these shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. remember my dad would read that story and then he'd ask us questions about the story like we were in Sunday school. So, what appeared to the angels out in the field? And we're like, I'm 14. You know, what appeared to the shepherds? It was angels dead. Yes. How many shepherds were there? And I'm like, oh, four? No. We don't know. (laughs) You know, it's like, and how many wise men came to see Jesus? Three at this time. Did they come and see him when he was a baby? Yes. No! When he was two years old is when they actually came to see him biblically. So we're just going through this theological stuff and my dad would do this. We're like, just get on with it. That's what I felt at the time. And yet, there was something about this time that was different because after we opened our gifts and there were no more gifts when, when it came to after our stockings. I remember my dad shared this one verse that he would share almost every year from Second Corinthians, and it was this. He said, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, I remember as a 14-year-old, I didn't understand what that meant. I didn't understand the adjective unspeakable. But as I got older, I realized what he was saying is that that unspeakable gift of Christ that came to us is that indescribable gift, that gift that leaves you speechless, that gift that causes you to be lost for words. You're so stunned and amazed. And he I remember him saying to us, we don't have a lot of gifts here today. But we have the unspeakable, indescribable gift of Jesus Christ that was given to us today. And that's what we're celebrating as a Holdridge family on this Christmas. The indescribable gift. The unspeakable gift. It was crazy because right after he got got, got done explaining that, there was a knock at the door. And I remember running to the door and there was this family with their kids that had hauled in all of these presents for our family. Huge presents. Expensive presents that we had never gotten before and never gotten since. One of the presents that I remembered was a basketball backboard and a hoop and a leather basketball. And which doesn't really help you in the dead of winter in New York, but I was thinking I can't wait till spring to put this up on the barn. I remember just these amazing gifts, these unspeakable gifts, these indescribable gifts to people like us that didn't get gifts that we really even wanted to tell our friends about because they were getting Ataris and then they were getting Nintendo 64s and we would be getting blue shirts and t-shirts and you wouldn't even want to share what you got. This year, I could go to school and say, I got this and this and this. And it was a Christmas I'll never forget. And I remember thinking to myself at age 14, God, you're real. And God, you did this for us. It was indescribable. I will never forget it. The poor family that we were. I've been on both sides now. And I think I love to give to people that are in need, they have such great need because I know what it feels like to have somebody knock on your door and just show up and lavish you with love and how much that monetary gift means to you. And it sunk in and it was so impressionable to me at that time. I was thinking about the word gift, this indescribable gift. And growing up, I remember just hearing the word gift In different verses of the Bible. Romans 3 verse 23. It said the wages of sin is death. Like Ryder was talking about. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Another very popular one was in Ephesians chapter 2. Where it said it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift. Of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. I can't earn my salvation. I don't deserve my salvation. This is an indescribable gift that was given to me by grace, through faith. And I realize that this gift, first of all, was the Savior. He was the indescribable gift. But that Savior who was the gift came bearing gifts. And that gift He was bearing as a Savior was Salvation. He was the one who came to reach out and rescue people like us, and here we are, over two thousand years later, literally from BC to AD, separated by the birth of Christ. You want to talk about being significant? We literally tell time based on the birth of Jesus, and he came to seek and save the lost. That was me. It was you, and it was a gift. Unbelievable, indescribable, unspeakable, unfathomable gift. The older I get, the more that gift means to me. More than people knocking on your door and giving you amazing expensive gifts. This gift is priceless. I was driving down the road. It was a Thursday and I thought about Christmas And I was thinking about Christmas and I think I had come off three pretty difficult conversations of people in this Christmas season that are going through some pretty messy stuff. Some family issues, some... Some loss, some pain, some addiction, some family schisms and fractures. And it's just painful. And sometimes I I feel in this time of year, I want to take joy in Christ. But I feel like I'm a leech field hearing of all the pain of people moving into a season that doesn't provoke or evoke joy and peace and love. It, It evokes pain and hurt and suffering. And I just want you to know that I feel that. And I try to be affected by that without being infected by that. Do you know what I'm talking about? God, I gotta be affected by that. Let me feel that with you and let my heart hurt with your heart, God. But help me not to be infected by that so that I can't see the good that's around me. So somehow let me be affected without being infected. And I was thinking about the mess. And I love words and I love messing around with words and making up my own words. And... For some reason, Christmas came to my mind. And I was like, man, for some people, it's just a Christmas. An absolute Christmas. But as I was reading the passage of Scripture throughout the week, it said that there was going to be today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and He is the Messiah. And I was like, oh my gosh! He's the Messiah! Messiah! I love that. It doesn't mean anything. It's not the root word of Messiah or anything like that. It just is like, He is, that is exactly what I think about. I don't know what your vision of God is or what comes to your mind, but the vision of our God, our deity, that is the King of kings and God of gods and Lord of lords, is the one who left the glories of heaven and came down to the putrid pain of this world and got his fingers dirty and said, I will climb into your mess and become what you are and live it with you. And I will be the Messiah to give you Christmas. Whatever you got, that's a mess in your life. I'm the Messiah. I'm the savior. I'm the healer. I'm the freedom giver. I'm the chain breaker. I'm the way maker. That's me. And I'm not going to tell you that from a great distance. I'm going to come down and prove it by coming to this earth as a very fragile baby and growing in this world and then dying as an innocent man for your sins and mine. That's Christmas. That's what we celebrate in the church. That's what we celebrate as Christians tonight. One of my favorite Christmas carols to this day is O Holy Night. And Kate sang it in the last service. And I was like, man, I wish you would just keep singing. And it came to an end. And Ryder shared that one of his favorite lines in this is, and the soul felt its worth. Our soul felt its worth. When he came here, when we sing a song... Watch where that's placed as a lyric that he came and the soul actually felt like I mean something. Someone loves me. I'm valuable. I have significance. I was made for a reason. I have a purpose. And there's a plan for my life. I finally feel worth because somebody loved me enough to come after me. I'm not an afterthought. I'm a forethought. In Christ's mind. And so as we do our candle lighting and sing this song in silent night, I want you to know that Jesus came to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. And all you have to do in this place tonight to receive him is to believe him. Say, I believe you died for my sins and you are my savior. You are the Messiah that came to save me from my mess and to clean my heart. So that I could go and be with you in heaven someday and live a life of freedom down here because of your forgiveness. And it says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what we celebrate. Because Jesus came and he was born to die. And as we light these candles, he was the light of the world. Actually, the early church after he rose from the dead, in the very tomb that he rose from, the church kept a candle in there for decades and decades, lit. And they didn't, they didn't let it get extinguished to recognize that the light of the world had come and he had risen, he was gone, but he was still lighting up the world by lighting up people's hearts. And they wrote the first hymn that is ever recorded called the Phos Hilaron, O oh, come thou gladdening light. He is the gladdening light of the world. And we're going to light these candles around here. And your soul has worth today. Not because I'm telling you it does. But because Christ came for you. He loved you that much. Would you stand up and grab your candles. And we're going to light those in a moment.